feels you're going through, a temptation encourages our Christian faith is often mocked by the world around us as outdated, vain, possibly obsolete, maybe even dated, meaningless. Our biblical values are seen as outdated. The truths that Christ taught are openly mocked. And if you didn't know any better, you might think that you were in danger of setting
as good as this response was, persecution rapidly, almost immediately followed. Uh, there was a mob that ended up being uh, captured as well. Eventually, Paul and Silas decided that it would be better to leave Thessalonica and find new homes and to, to remove themselves from this tinderbox that had grown up around them. But that didn't mean that they had abandoned even leave. No, instead, at a later date, they send Timothy back to check up on them. And then Timothy, after his trip, reports to Paul all that he learned. And this letter of Timothy is the letter of 1 Thessalonians that Paul As we do that, I also want us to pay attention to something else. What doesn't Paul write that you or I might be tempted to write or that we need to be aware of? Because it's here in that contrast of cultures. What is Paul focusing on? How might that differ from what we think we should be focusing on? Next to hand here, if you're not already there, let me again invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting there at the beginning of the book, which is where we are. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace begin a letter with a greeting, just like you or I might, and yet, I've been around here for any number of years, you'll know that I've mentioned each time that we start a letter that these greetings aren't just formulas. This is not just how Paul starts each and every letter. It's not just in a mere formality. Instead, as we read this letter together, we're going to see that Paul feels a genuine longing, a genuine and affection for these new believers. He wants them to grow, to thrive, to, to flourish in Christ. And yet this writing has greetings. Like, well, there you are. Hope things are going well. Let me just check up on you. Okay, then. Because because there's something more to grow from here, isn't there? Between Christ and us. And so he does. And he writes alongside Silas and Timothy. Before he gets to those, Paul begins his letter with an encouragement, and I want us to pause a moment and recognize that we have it. Not only does Paul want God's grace and peace to be upon this young church, but, as we'll read here in just a moment, he also holds out, he, uh, he commends what the Lord's already doing in you. such a short letter, and in my Bible, I think it's all of about three pages, in such a short letter, why is Paul going to spend so much of his very limited space 
he's got other friends talking to him. And you page through the book, and you're going to see there's going to be talking about you know the day of the Lord, all kinds of end-time stuff, you know, the church is changing, it's the apocalypse ending series. And yet that time goes really rapid, doesn't it? Why does Paul spend so much time? In fact, I think you could argue it's at least the whole first chapter.
taking it upon themselves to remind us of our His role is here. Certainly not going to come from politics or the news media or education or science. If it doesn't come from that purpose, then we are moved to no amount of leadership. I'll leave us here with a challenge before we move on into the body of the letter. What would it take for encouragement to become a to become automatic in the best kind of way. I don't mean in a, in a flippant or unthinking way. But for it to roll off your lips and mouth, both to, to give encouragement and to, to receive it graciously. I suspect there's a lot of ways to take this letter. The Lord has done a good job. Pray that I am faithful. Go in the to make you an, an encourager. Look for someone in this church in the pews around you. Hey, maybe someone in this room will know their name. Find ways to encourage them. The Lord be with you. Be encouraged. Right before time to do this, and I am sure that you will be off program right now and getting all kinds of things and awkwardly detailed. Best, most biblical Christian way, it will become a beautiful picture. Let's pray. Let's be encouraged together. Here's how Paul starts encouraging us. Let's try and give you this take a big picture. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in prayer. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in Christ Jesus. Now, faith doesn't mean realize that you're all past Thanksgiving Day, but that doesn't mean that thankfulness should take a back seat. Today, I say, at least from my standpoint as a pastor, the point of Thanksgiving is not so that we would have. One day a year of, oh yeah, this is it. Instead, it should be the culmination, the, the, the highlight, right? The pinnacle of the thanks that we are regularly giving. We thank you for you. We thank you for us. So just as with encouragement, being thankful is another mark that can be seen in the character and in the attitude of every single Christian. Now you might say, There's not much going on here to be thankful about. If only we knew that passage. You know what? You know what? So we're to which I should reply something to that point 
seek the Lord while the time is yet. Their, their plans might well be imperfect. Their, their ministries no doubt produce some, some maturing. And yet Paul points out that they're laboring in the faith, that their, their love for others in Christ is strong, that their hope is unwavering. This trifecta of faith and hope and love this the very foundation of what it means to serve others in in Christ's name. And the fact that we live out the Christian life in one way or the other. And we could do far, far worse than laboring in the faith, loving others, having an unfading was very confident in his faith, in his Christ. And so, you know, the rest of us took it on ourselves to try and keep him faithful. In fact, that was our job. And we even told him this. He got the second. We, we, we don't want you to get a big head. His girlfriend at the time really felt that. Right? Too many of us kind of think that way, don't we? You know, just, yeah, you know, my, my spiritual gift is keeping people home. You know, I have a feeling that those twelve sheep are less lonely today than they were. I know for a fact that there were far more of them than there were the good shepherds. Give thanks to the Lord for them. Do whatever you need to do. Make a list. Do it. Write it down. Put it in your in your GA Gizmo gadget that you got for Christmas. Be intentional about it. And if that is not your way of thinking about it, be thankful. Let him find comfort in that. One of the most encouraging things that happened in my early years here was when another pastor I was on vacation with in New Jersey. He visited our church on Sunday. Thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for helping out with, with cleaning up, you know, after that event. Very exhausting. 
tired and I know it's just throwing stuff away and wiping down tables and I don't want people to know that this is bad and what it's done to us. and encouragement, it, it's just all kind of building up and we arrive at this, this pinnacle, which will be our pinnacle for today. Paul writes of his reasoning for giving such thanks and proclaiming such praise, his purpose in having such hope is because God has chosen just the, the body of believers of Rome. Something kind of started and then we just dust rain got rain on us. That's all it even was. That's a plan for them that is greater than, than circumstances
gospel that was preached to them was clear and true and understood. It was the genuine gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Thessalonians had responded to it in Say that to others. I don't read your gospel. I don't read the scriptures. But maybe you maybe you would tell that to your friends, neighbors, or anyone. If that's you, I want you to do an invitation to your friend. He is inviting you to come to Jesus. He is calling you to agree with him. About your sin, that you have not at all. And you need a Savior, just as every one of us, who is greater and bigger and purer and better than yourself or anyone else or anything else in your life. And God has provided that Savior in Jesus Thank you. 
given to be particular eyes and control of everything in his life. And as we walk out of this building today, I want you to know that God has a universe that is his to use. He didn't somehow reverse it. He didn't somehow, well, you know, I didn't see that one.
But what people would know of you would grow 